Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Hi, everyone, and welcome to all the people I haven't seen yet. Um, I'm Lisa. I'm a compulsive eater. And I always like seeing faces I don't know because the ones I do know have heard me and my leads for a long time. I've been in program for 26 and a half years. I have 26 and a half years of recovery from um, compulsive eating, from binging, from skipping meals to make up for it, from, um, from the misery and from the obsession, for the most part, from the obsession. Um, obsessions change as we age, uh, as I age, I have noticed. I will try not to speak for anyone but myself. So what it was like, <clears throat> and I'm going to sort of keep track of my time on my own too, to not stay in one category too long. Um, and I also just want to say, God, give me the words because God, that's something I like to say, God, you take care of the quality. I'll take care of the quantity because this isn't me. This is like everything that I'm going to share that has been helpful to me is because of my higher power in this program. Um, so what it was like is something I've, I'm getting less and less interested in sharing because it's like, yeah, everybody's got their, their stuff. Um, for me, it was, um, I think I came out of the womb, a compulsive eater. Um, the way it manifest as a child was I hated most foods. I was incredibly picky. Like, like I don't know how my family, my mom handled it. Well, I do know how she handled it. She used to bribe me with foods that I liked um, to get me to try foods that I hated or, or, you know, get a little bit of it in me. I, I mean, green vegetable, nothing, nothing healthy was, was, uh, was appealing to me. Um, I also, we also moved around a lot. We moved countries because of my father's job. And, um, so I was very lonely and very shy. I was very shy. And so I was very lonely and I, um, I would, you know, make friends and then we would move to another state or another country. So it was very hard to, um, uh, I don't know if that's, if that's a message I need to look at. No. Okay. Um, it's, it was very hard to, um, adapt for me. It was, um, just uh, felt like a lot of upheaval and I wasn't good at handling it. And one way my mother helped me handle it was to give me food that I liked to make me feel better. That was comfort. Food was definitely comfort. Food was love. And, um, then as then we ended up in one place in New York and um for <laughs> for a while it was um also very hard because it was like middle school which is not an easy time uh it wasn't for me at least and um it was uh again lonely I didn't fit in I um would come home and and eat and watch uh soap operas with my mom and um at the same time, our family was very into everything had to look okay. Um, didn't really matter how we were doing on the inside. On the outside, we had to seem like we were fine. 
So, you know, it was like, don't let the neighbors know anything. Um, and so uh, I, once I started liking food, which was about adolescence and really liking food, then I was sort of constantly getting some mixed messages about my looks. Um, like eat, but don't, but don't gain weight. Um, and I was constant, like looking back, I was constantly like wanting to lose 10 pounds. It was not, uh, it was my brain. My brain was insane. And, uh, it was even before, um, uh, like gyms, I think there was a place it was, I don't even know what it was called. It was like a ladies, ladies. It wasn't called working out. This was late seventies, early eighties. So I don't even know what the hell it was called, but I, I remember going during school. Like I remember going often and I remember weighing myself. Like I went twice and I weighed myself the second time. And the, the lady there was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I want to see if I've lost weight. And she's like, since, since, two, you know, four hours ago. And that was my obsession. Like I would weigh myself quite often and my self-worth was tied up in that number. Um, then I luckily ended up in an, in another country for a summer um, that had no diet mentality at all. And I honestly think that kept me from becoming, um, having any other aspect of this disease because they were so like, what are you doing? Like the only place to, it was the kibbutz and the only place to weigh myself was at the infirmary or the nurses building. And after the, you know, I was like, where's the, where's the scale? And they were like, why? And I, and I went and the nurse was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I got to weigh myself. And she's just like, and it was such reverse shaming that I didn't weigh myself for the rest of the summer. I ate like everybody else did. I was trying to fit in and fitting in with them was uh, behaving normally with food, which was kind of miraculous. So I, I came back, I, uh, <clears throat> I went to college and other substances became part of my life. And those other substances made it very easy to eat and binge. Um, and that's what I was doing. I was binging and then making up for it in through high school and then binging in college. I could do in front of people in a way because I was on other substances that, you know, it's just, that's, that's what you do. Um, so that was fun. I didn't have to hide it. Um, and then I stopped the other substances eventually like when I was 27, but I was still doing the food and um, I came in because of a couple Eskimos. One was inadvertent. My niece had been diagnosed with anorexia and I had just seen her and I was like, what? Like, I, how could, like, I was such a know-it-all. I was like, how could I not know? How could I not notice? How, you know, and, and I was seeing a, a therapist and I, I told her about it and I was like, I mean, it's so crazy. Everyone in my family does the weirdest shit with food. And I, I couldn't stop eating last night, but anyway, and I like, you know, started talking about whatever, you know, boy had broken my heart. And she was like, whoa, 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 like <laughs> back up the car a minute. What did you just say? And I was like, what? And she's like, what were you eating last night? And I started telling her and she's like, you know, have you ever heard of Overeaters Anonymous? And I was like, what? Like, I thought I looked fine. I thought, I was pulling off functional, you know, I didn't even know what binging was. I didn't know what I was doing was something anyone else did. Um, I just knew I felt like shit at the end of the night, the pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization 
at two in the morning after binging and then saying like, I'm not going to do that again tomorrow. And then skipping meals until I did it again, invariably, um, not every night, but often enough. Um, but I was insulted that she suggested it, that she thought I had some kind of problem. And then I, but I went because, you know, I liked her. I thought she was smart. She then told me she was in another program. So that was a God shot. I, she had never obviously mentioned it before because we didn't talk about her. And so she was big on the 12 steps. And so I came in, I went to a meeting. Um, I thought everyone was crazy. And I thought I could solve everybody's problem. Everyone who shared, I was like, wow, here's what she has to do. Here's what she has to do. I mean, I thank God didn't say it. I, I got, got, that was a gotcha that I didn't just go, here's what you all have to do. And, um, and when I've shared this so many times, but this one woman was crying during her share, like sobbing, crying. And I thought, well, she's, you know, somebody help her. Like nobody, everybody was just letting her cry and talk. And I was like, and the idea of having an emotion in front of anybody else that wasn't just, I'm fine, was just made, I, I'd never seen that before in my life, in my family. Like we didn't do that. Um, which is ironic because I always wanted to act. <laughs> it was just like, really on the, you know, you're really letting your emotions show, but in real life, uh-uh. Maybe that's why I wanted to act because I could do it there. But, um, and then when it was time to say who was available to sponsor, she raised her hand and I was like, who, who the hell would go to her? She's obviously got problems. She cried in front of me. I'm a stranger. She cried in front of strangers. So that's how fucked up I was. Sorry if people don't like her saying that's just the way I roll. Um, but that's, that's where my brain was that I thought that like an, an, an emotion expressed in a healthy manner was insane and not to be trusted. Um, and she became a friend. She became an early fellow. Um, another person in there gave me her number. And when, you know, and, and I went to my second meeting and like heard my story. Like basically my diary was being read. So I immediately, you know, it took, it took a second meeting, but I got it. And the only reason I went to the second meeting is because my shrink told me to go to six and I was trying to, you know, do what she suggested, six different meetings. Um, so the person who gave me your number, I caught like, there was a day, a few days later where um, I was reaching for something compulsively. I was reaching for a food item in the freezer and I saw my hand and in that, for that second, I had awareness. Oh, I am compulsively reaching for food. And I reached for the phone instead. That is my, like, that is where I'm like, oh, that's, that's my abstinence state. Like I reached her the phone, I called her and she started laughing at me, which again, not right, not okay. You don't get to laugh at me. I'm finally expressing an emotion that isn't like past the food and you're, laughing at me and it it's so helpful it was so helpful to realize like you know it's I don't have to take myself seriously I have to take this disease very seriously it wants me dead but I don't have to take myself seriously I can laugh and I can be in a meeting and see other people laugh at something I say because they relate not because they're making fun of me and even if they are who cares the laugh is a laugh, but like that they can relate 
and that that brings joy and laughter is amazing to me. So she became a very close fellow as well. Um, and I got a sponsor I would not have picked in a million years. She had another, she, she was, um, she had been a 20 time a day bulimic. I had no, I did not relate to that. And she was a big book thumper and she came to me and she said, I will be, if you would like a temporary sponsor, I'll be your temporary sponsor. And I was like, all right, realizing way later that I would have never gotten a sponsor if it were up to me because everyone was human. All of you people were human beings and that wouldn't work for me. I needed someone perfect. The reason I had a problem was that I wasn't perfect and I needed someone perfect to make me perfect. So I got her and I was like, fine. And she was my sponsor for like 10 years. So that, that was helpful. Um, she immediately took me through the steps and their traditions and the tools. And she was not, uh, we weren't chatty. We didn't, we, she was not. And this is something I tell my, all my sponsees when I, you know, take them on, it's like, I'm not your buddy. I'm not your mom. I'm not your shrink. I'm your guide through the steps. I'm your guide through this program. Like if I called and was like, ah, nah, 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 she's like, what step is that? You know, she would like, give me a couple minutes to talk like a share. And then be like, what's, what's the step? What go work the step. Um, and this is after, you know, after taking me through the steps and as we went through them. So she took me through the steps very quickly. I mean, to me very quickly. Um, I would say, I would recommend here's, here's the advice part of the, of the morning. I would strongly recommend working the steps. If anyone's sitting in a step and just like, yeah, yeah, yeah strongly work recommend getting through them because that's where the recovery is and i i thank her so much she was such she is and was such a blessing to do that with me and and she wasn't mean about it she wasn't like i mean it was partly me being like i'll get through them all and then i can leave <laughs> that didn't happen um but it was part and i didn't i didn't neglect any of them. I do know that when it came to four, I did a shitty job the first time through and that's all I was capable of. I'm very much, I know it says half measures avail us nothing. Half measures worked fine for me at first. I mean, I, the, the road gets narrower, but at first I didn't have any awareness of what I had done to other people. I didn't have any awareness of what I had done to myself. So I've worked plenty of you know, and, and the four steps were like, I, I actually like six months later, like woke up and was like, like, oh, I have to do a, have to do four step around all my relationships, um, all my romantic relationships. And so I did that. And then I was like, oh, I have to do a fear inventory. Like all, it came organically because I wasn't forcing it on myself. It was when I was ready to look at stuff. Um, uh, so I did a crappy four step, but I did a four step and I got through it and she was extremely loving. And she showed me how to love myself. She she loved me until I was ready to love myself. Um, here's another story that I'm, I've told so many times. Um, I was on my way to a meeting. It was very early days of phone sm smartphones. It was a flip phone. I remember that. Back in my day. Anyway, um, and I was on my way to a meeting and I decided I didn't need to go. I was like a month in and I was like, on the way in my car and decided I didn't need to go, which how adorable, right? And I pulled over. I don't know how I knew to do this, but I pulled again, God or higher power, whatever you want to call it. Um, ocean breeze. 
Um, I pulled over and I called my sponsor and I said, I've decided I'm on my way to this meeting and I've decided I don't need to go. And she's like, okay, well, I would just say thank you for your input, broken brain, and continue on your way. And that, like, that gives me chills just remembering that because that phrase obviously worked in the moment, but it also worked as a metaphor ever since. Like, I do things today. I have to pray for the courage to show up for a yoga class. I mean, I have to pray for the courage to show up for so many things that I actually like doing, but I'm afraid to step out and do them. My default is to stay in bed or stay in front of the fridge or stand on the couch with the TV on. Those are my defaults. So anything else, you know, I used to really put myself down for thinking that's how cowardly I am, but it just means I'm really brave every day just to leave the damn house. We all have different layers, just like five, five minutes. minutes. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I want to focus more on what it's like because I've been doing a, uh, a little. Uh, anyway, um, the way I work the steps today um, and the way I just do my program today, I think I'd like to focus on that for the last five minutes. I wake up in the morning. I do the serenity prayer. I do the third step prayer. I do the seven step prayer in the middle of the seven step prayer. I do my list. Like, please take away my fear and replace it with faith. Please take away my anger and replace it with love. Take, please take away my cowardice and replace it with courage. Please take away my impatience and replace it with patience. Uh, Whatever it's, whatever's coming up. Plus the, like the standard ones that I've always got, please take away my need for control and replace it with acceptance. Please take away my perfectionism and replace it with acceptance. Well, there's a lot of things that I have to replace with acceptance. And then I say, uh, this is something I got from a sponsee, which I love, which I think, and I think the sponsee got it from someone in this room. Um, God, let me be a blessing. Let me be a beacon of light. And God, give me the words. You take care of the quality. I'll take care of the quantity. That's also because I, I work for my work. There are words involved and I want help with that. And then invariably, I repeat one of those prayers because I've said it so by rote that I haven't even like registered that I've said it because I'm like walking around opening windows and stuff or opening curtains while I do it or when it's hot out closing curtains anyway so um so I do that when something bigger comes up when something comes up that rattled me I do the first three steps and the way I do them is like I I either write or I I find writing is much more helpful than just thinking stuff out I mean, uh, I even just read about this, like when we're thinking there's so many different ways, you know, it's popcorn up there, at least for me, but writing focuses me. So what am I powerless over? What has happened that I am powerless over? Um, Then to what would sanity look like in this moment today? Like in this moment with this situation, what would sanity look like? And I write that. And then three, like, am I willing to turn this over and let it go? This is another one of my favorite. Um, this is one of my favorite cliches uh, that I've heard that I, I, I can't or don't know who told me. But um, if you turn something over, but you don't let it go, you're hanging upside down. I hate hanging upside down. I hate roller coasters. I hate all of that stuff. So I really need to that part the turn it over and then let it go. That's huge for me. Um, one way I do that is just say I ate something last night that was like, mm, I'm thinking about it 15 minutes later. That's how I know something's going on. If, if my food um, is 
is feels a little creepy. I will turn that over to my sponsor and she'll be like, all right. And then I'll let it go. She will say, okay, let it go. You've turned it over to me. When a sponsee turns over something to me, I'm like, okay, I've got it. I got it. I got my hands on it. You can let it go. Like that is helpful to me. Um, then I do, I do 10, 10 steps when I need to for uh, things that are rankling that don't go away with all of that work. And I turn those over because I've heard people like uh, my sponsees occasionally go like, well, I did a 10 step on it. And I was like, no, you didn't. Cause you didn't tell it to me. Like it don't count. I will have the nicest, easiest, my part. If it's up to me, my part is always like, oh, I let it happen. Or, oh, I wasn't more. No, my part is world according to Lisa 99% of the time. And I need my sponsor to remind me of that often. Um, or my part is like, I was passive aggressive, whatever it was, I have a part and it helps to be reminded of that and it helps to be told that. And, sh- and my sponsor also has me do now that I'm working a spiritual path. It's like the last column for her. Now that I'm walking a spiritual path, how would God have me behave? Again, that's to me, what would sanity look like? And that's very helpful for me. And in the last minute, I'm going to get to 11 and 12, which is, um, oh, and, you know, the the five to nine freeway, I love. I love being able to make amends and make living amends as needed. It's, uh, I mean, I hate it, but I love it. It's humbling. All of it's humbling. Um, I've been meditating and definitely more now than ever. I came in very, I could not sit still. I always had spilkas, if you know the term. Um, and now I sit for 20 minutes and meditate and I love it. Like I value it. And I never, ever, ever understood that before. Um, a lot of that was because of the um, the pandemic. There was a lot of sitting. Ainsley, that's my time. So this is 12. This is my 12th, my, my, how I work my 12th step is showing up to carry the message. And um, thank you. I'm looking forward to questions because I'm sure I forgot lots of things that were useful. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have asked a question last, if you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise hand icon. Okay, uh, Joylene. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And congratulations on an amazing amount of years of abstinence. That's awesome. Um, my question to you is: When you were faced with a crisis or obstacle, extra stress in your life, how did you maintain abstinence or to keep from slipping and sliding? Thanks. That is a remarkably appropriate question. Can we um, change the screen so we can? Ah, oh, perfect. Thank you. I like seeing everybody. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've had a few. There's been world crises, country crises, personal crises, um, and it's been uh, a challenge. The great thing about this program is I've learned to have to have emotions and express them, um, and uh, that was not the case when I first came in. Oh, also something I tell all my sponsees uh, to do is come up with a list of 10 things that give them comfort that don't involve food. Um, invariably, they come back with eight. 
And I'm like, great, come back with two more. Like, it's really hard at first because that was it, comfort. Food was comfort for me for, I don't, you know, um, and to find other sources. So um, recently, uh, so my dad died in December and then my uh, oldest friend uh, who was sick, but was then told it was, it was not going to be curable. And she died at the end of May. Um, she was my friend since I was 13. We binged together. Mostly I binged. She, she would stop, but like they had a really good pantry. Um, and I was there a lot. I was there as much as I could be. And she was in New York and I'm in Los Angeles. And um, it was unbearable. And, uh, you know, we have a, a group, we have a friend group. It's what the kids call it. Um, and, you know, her family and there were a lot like grief and and that experience does not bring out the best in people. In my estimation, it brings out the people in people. And we're all a bunch of, you know, personalities. There was some, you know, not clashing like obvious, but just like I would co go to like my Airbnb or wherever I was staying and just be like, um, you know, devastated with pain. And then also devastated with like, did she say that? And taking stuff personally and all the stuff that's very reactive and, um, and learning, to, remembering to soothe myself with methods other than food was challenging. I mean, also being in, you know, while she was like, while she was in hospice, even before she was in hospice, which was at her home, like their home has food that, uh, I don't usually have around. I don't, my, my abstinence is, is I it's, there's only one item I don't eat. Um, but, but I am moderate and it was very hard to remember that when she's, you know, my dying friend is like, let's have, you know, I don't want to name the food, but let's have something, you know, big and delicious. Um, and, and sort of stepping back and being like, you know, what would sanity look like for me? Sanity would be like walking through this and being useful and, um, and not using food because food's not going to make it better, you know? And I also learned this because early on in program, a year into program, my brother was diagnosed with cancer and he died a year later and he, we were very close and I went there as much as I could. And I, my, the rest of my family has issues with food and I was watching it and I was actually jealous that they, it was the first time I was like, oh, I can't, cause I of course wanted them all to quit doing what they were doing with food. And um, it was the first time I was like, oh, they all have their path. Like, thank God my mom and dad have food right now because otherwise they'd have to watch this sober, you know? Um, so like I was, I was sober and able to be of service, but abs abstinent it's, you know, um, but my brain was clear and in horrible, horrible pain. Um, and what I learned is if we let ourselves feel pain, it passes. I know that's something that most people learn before, you know, they're 32. But I, um, I also learned that I thought if I was in program and a good girl, I wouldn't have bad things happen in my life. That was a big humbling moment. Like, oh, no, life still happens. It's how we walk through it. That matters. So learning how to walk through it, where I could still be of service to the people I loved, 
that was the big job. And sometimes that meant there were, you know, there were hours where I would just sit on the couch and do nothing and just veg out and just be like, I need, I need, like when I came back after Marsha died, when I came back home, there were like, if I got 20 minutes of work done, that was good. That was a good day. That was fine. I was extremely gentle with myself. It's it's really challenging to do that. Um, It took a lot of, for me, it took a lot of years of this program and seeing how the shaming and self-criticism didn't help me to get to a point where I could be gentle with myself. It's still challenging, but I'm way better than I was. I hope in that mess that was helpful. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Ainsley. Uh, Thank you so much for your share. Okay, I I really want to hear examples of the things that soothe you other than food. (laughs) Oh, sure. And that's changed over the years because when I came in, I did not voluntarily uh, exercise and I did not voluntarily eat healthy. I did not voluntarily like do anything that was good for me. And today, like I will, um, I go for long walks and this was, and it started a little bit before the pandemic, not long ones. I'd go for a walk, but now I go for long walks. They're incredibly soothing. I take pictures of flowers and really close up pictures of flowers and I share them with friends. I, um, uh, go swimming. I love swimming. I never liked swimming before. And, um, a couple, just like a year before program, I mean, a year before, a year before the pandemic, I um, started swimming laps and with a snorkel. So I look like a freaking maniac and I love it. Um, and it's incredibly soothing and meditative for me. Um, and that's another thing where I have to get myself there with the promise of like, honey, you can just go and sit on the edge of the pool. You don't have to go in. You just get there. And once I'm there, I'm like so happy, but it's like an ordeal for some reason. Um, I love reading books. I love reading the comics. I love doing playing Scrabble. I love, um, uh, what else do I love doing? Um, meditating. It was very comforting. Um, and then there's like things that are, you know, calling a fellow and stuff like that. Um, going to the beach. I love going to the beach, um, jumping in the waves. Um, like I've made myself, like I've made myself a promise. Like I'm going to go to the beach once a week during the summer so that I can, cause I love it so much. And I never used to get myself there. Um, what other things? Oh, and they were that don't involve food or spending a lot of money. Um, movies. I love movies. And I, I don't even know how many that is, but um, uh, I love puzzles like crossword type puzzles. Um, music. I love listening to music that I like. Um, that definitely gives me comfort. And um yeah, hopefully that sparks some ideas for you. Things that you like. People think I'm I, like I get the paper to read the paper, but I also get it for the comics, which I think I might be one of the only people left who does that. Okay, let me look at. I don't see any other hands up. Are there that I'm? Are there hands up that I'm not seeing somehow? Nope. Uh, oh, Ellie. 
Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate your share. Thank you. Uh, would you talk about your higher power and what it was like, your relationship, if there was one, before program and what it's like today? Thank you. That is very, that's a very good one. <laughs> that's when I would be like, oh, shit, I forgot to talk about my higher power. Um, my, higher, my concept of a higher power before program was uh, not really uh, useful. Uh, to either me or it, um, it was, I was, I, I was raised in a, in a, uh, religious, my dad was religious and my mom wasn't. So it was, a, there was a lot of conflict over religion and my father's way of getting us to be like religious was just sort of forcing us to go to services. So it was like, you do this just because you do this. It's just tradition and not like, this is what it gives to me. This is how useful it is. This is it's a way to live, you know, any of that. It was just, just do it. So I never got it. Like I never, I, I, I like, and the, and the prayers weren't in English. Like there was no, like, I didn't understand the language. And so it was very um, uncomfortable to me. Like it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I do remember praying when I was like 10 years old, cause my dog ran away and I, it was basically like Santa, you know, I was praying, which was not in our religion, but I prayed to Santa on the throne, which was kind of how I pictured it, like this guy on a throne somewhere saying like, please, please bring, bring Ginger back. I'll do anything. And of course, like, you know, I got Ginger back and I didn't do any, whatever I had promised. Um, so that was my concept. And then in program at the beginning, that was a hard one. It was, I started with um, the ocean. I would go to the ocean at the time I was working nearby and I would go at lunchtime and just sort of be like, okay, this is a power greater than me. Um, I cannot control the waves. Thank you. I cannot control uh, the tides, you know, that, okay, so that'll be my higher power. Um, and then it became sort of nature in general. And then it became um, this concept of like all the energy of everybody and everything in the world um, made up what I considered a higher power. So it was, it was more like a river of energy than like a someone saying, you're good, you're bad, you get punished, you don't, because that made no sense. That was just cruel to me, especially when my brother got sick. I was like, this is, this is, you know, he was a really good man and he never smoked and he had lung cancer. Like it made no sense. So, and then of course I was like, oh, right. And people, horrible things happen to millions of people every day. So how is that okay? And then it was like, that is not what, God isn't Santa. God isn't an evil, cruel king saying to me saying like this is going to happen to you now if it's this river of energy where I either join it or I fight it that made more sense to me like I join with acceptance or I fight with resistance and so like that didn't mean it all went smoothly like when when my brother was sick I I would scream at God I would I would rail at God I would just be um you know how can this be happening and, but that's a relationship with a higher power. I was, I was engaged in a very uh, loud relationship with higher power. So that's how it, it's, you know, it's the eternal mystery, but that's how I um, sort of approach it in a way that works for me. That isn't um, like, I have to be a certain way in order to get what I want. No, I have, I have to try and figure out what God's will for me is and try to follow it 
that's my job today. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that covers it. Um, and Frank, you have your hand up. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Wow, what a powerful share. And your spirit clearly permeates all the pixels on my screen. Thank you so much. And uh, boy, and I was uh, especially <laughs> touched and reminded of the food bribing that took place mm -hmm. when I was little. Yeah, if I wanted the blintzes, I had to eat the boiled fish. My grandparents were from Russia, and that's what we had almost every night. And I was so good at, uh, you know, chewing it, spitting it out in a napkin, and burying it at the bottom of the trash can. <laughs> and so, because I didn't want to eat it. But anyway, um, I, it's your share was just. So incredible, and 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 in explaining all the tools that you've uh, used to to work through all your challenges, my question is: uh, moving forward, what are some of the things that uh, you know? Let's say along the lines of character defects that you still may have. I mean, we talk a lot about volume being turned down on some of them. That you might be surprised: how come they're still here? And and do is there hope that they may go away, or have you just got to the place of yeah, this one's probably going to be with me the rest of my life, and I just have to continue to deal with it? Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, like. Um, if I have anger towards myself, if I'm like, why do I still have this character defect? That's hubris, right? That's me telling, that's me saying, I know better than God, what should be happening in me, with me, you know? Um, so I try to stay away from that. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't serve me. Um, I know for when I came in, I was a liar, inveterate liar. I would lie on the way from one place to another in case I was going to be late. Like, I would lie in the car before anybody. Nobody cares why you're late. You're just, you apologize and that's it. I learned that in program. Like I learned to stop lying. And that was such a gift. My God, the weight off. It's so hard to remember lies, especially as I'm getting older. My God, I would not be able to keep track of them. I'd have to put notes in my phone. Um, but like to go from being an inveterate liar to a person who is generally honest, uh, I think to the best of my ability is a miracle that I did not do. And that came from praying every day to have that relieved, you know, and from working steps six and seven. Um, so my defects, like, I feel like some, you know, they were used. Everything is useful at some point until it stops being useful. The way I ate was useful until it stopped being useful. Like it, it did protect me. It did give me comfort when I was a kid. Like, then it stopped and it became uh, an albatross, you know? So my, like it, my fear may be coming in handy at some point to have it removed entirely to be fearless might not be useful for me, but to have the fear to walk out the door, you know, to have that relieved, that's my time, um, is, is useful on a daily basis. So I just deal with the daily basis, you know, 24 hours of doing my best to be relieved of my defects. Um, okay. Let's see, back to 